Hello, welcome to the Mind Over Money podcast. This is where we challenge the status quo as to how Americans are educated about money. I'm your host, John Moriarty. I am an entrepreneur, author, radio show personality, and a financial professional since 1995. And above all else, I am an advocate for people who want to think differently about their money and finance-related decisions. I am the founder and president of E3 Consultants Group. It is my passion to awaken your inner entrepreneur and transform your mindset about money so you can move from worry to wealth and ultimately to worthiness, where you give yourself permission to enjoy the life you have built. As an entrepreneur, who is helping you get to the next level? Are there financial roadblocks standing in your way? At E3 Consultants Group, our mindset is all about optimizing the tools of time, talent, and capital. Whether it happens through cash flow awareness, income tax strategies, business consulting, privatized bank strategies, wealth management, or asset protection, E3 is ready to take your mindset from worry to wealth to worthiness. Visit our website, e3wealth.com, to learn more. On this Mind Over Money podcast, I was thinking we need to introduce Christopher Lawrence Stone, the blue-collar broker. Yes, sir. Um, why don't we do a quick how in the world did you and I ever get a chance to meet and connect and what you've been up to? We met, and we can't even give him the credit for it, right? But <laughs> So I met Michael Brennan mm-hmm. through one of my business partners. We had lunch with him, and I had just met him. And... He sent me an email afterwards. He goes, hey, man, you seem to dress well. You like clothes. He goes, my tailor, who you have the same tailor, yes. Mr. Bill Whitney, he goes, he's putting on an event down at the MAC. Do you want to go? And I go, are you going? And he goes, yeah. I go, are you drinking? And he goes, yeah. And I go, great, because when I met him, I'm like, man, I like this guy too. Right. Let's, let's, let's get a little uh, – get him a little lubed up. So, yeah, I met him down at the MAC, and then it was – you were down there. Connor was down there in Biggs. And, uh, and Bruce, uh, he might have been, but see, yeah, yeah I guess. and then and some other folks. It was almost like our own little get together because I think there were going to be some other folks, and they kind of showed up kind of later. But it was really re3 folks, and then you and Michael. And the crazy thing was the way I kind of look at it. Uh, all of us were small business owner entrepreneurs. Michael Brennan, entrepreneur. You, entrepreneur. Bill Whitney, entrepreneur. It's like you got all these people here. They're all running their own business. They all need to figure out the best way to dress. So that's why we were there. And then we just kind of struck up a conversation from that point. No, yeah, it was like a perfect storm. And so, yeah, I got Connor's card, Big's card, and I didn't get yours. And then I remember kind of leaving there, and I'm like – because I looked it up, and I'm like, I don't really know what they do. I think I looked them up on LinkedIn. I don't even think I went to the website. And then I think it was like a week and a half later, you wrote me an email with the ebook, and you're like, and I seen founder, president. I'm like, all right, I'm excited. And then you, you were like, you want to get food, drink, cigars, or all three? And I'm like, done, done, and done. <laughs> and then we tried to pin down that date. And I think the first place we met was Olive and Oak. Yeah. It was like on a Tuesday night. Yeah. It was a normal Tuesday night at Olive and Oak. Yeah. And then so at that time, I had two business partners, and I told them about it. And I think I set you up with one of them mm-hmm. to meet. And then I was telling them, I'm like, man, we need to we need to get in with what this guy's doing, you know, get into his world, see if we can't set up a little office in his office, you know. And then you front run so many months later of us meeting up a lot 
and talking a lot. And then I came over, moved in to do M&A. Mm-hmm. And then everyone in here had insurance questions, which was awesome because that was my background. Right. And then so reset up the insurance brokerage. And then so that was uh, like September, October, November-ish of uh, last year. And then and then we got the hair, I think it was like in January. Right. To do the studio. Yep. Which we're finally breaking it in That's today. right. Come July, you know, so every, as they say, all good things come to those that uh, persevere and continue moving forward. And now we're sitting in E3 Studios, which is fantastic, which everybody's like, you and Chris kind of came up with that? I was like, no, Chris came up with it. I said, it sounds like a great idea, <laughs> but I literally have no idea how to do it. And after being on the radio for all those years and loving the ability to kind of go into a professional studio and crank out content and have it as something that you can save and use, the flip side of that is if you go into somebody else's studio, <clears throat> you're, you're kind of working off of their time. So the idea of us having something at E3, which I want to use, but a lot of other people want to use, it's it's great. I mean, to me, it it has the just the aura of entrepreneurial possibilities all around it, which you know basically is what kind of led me to write that article in LinkedIn and kind of post it because our. My uh, uh, partner down in Austin, uh, Joe Cartucci, was saying, hey, I think we need to start putting things out on LinkedIn. We need to be doing articles. He did an article on uh, a, a behavioral finance term called recency, which basically talks about when people are making money decisions, the stuff that just happened to them recently is the stuff that they put more weight towards versus kind of looking at things big picture, which was a great article. And um, he wrote it and then was like, hey, we need to start doing more of this. I'll write one, you write one. And I'm like, well, I've had this idea in my head about kind of writing about my journey as an entrepreneur because the past couple of weeks I've gotten into this little Facebook diatribe um, and I've tried to stay away from social media for a while just to kind of take a take a break, you know, not not engage as much, just kind of soak it in and see where things fit. But, you know, I got in this, you know, I don't know if you want to call it kind of a crusade or whatever, but I and you and I have talked about this. Yeah. We so have. that's why I was really excited about kind of doing the podcast off of it. You know, th- this idea that going to college is the only way to kind of move yourself into the real world and you got to have that college degree. And if you don't, you know, somehow you're missing out. I just, I don't see it that way. And I've talked to enough people that also don't see it that way. So I was like, if you're someone that wants to be in business or you want to be an entrepreneur, I get that there's certain things you have to do to go to college and get extra schooling. If you're going to be a doctor or an attorney or you're going to be a chemist, like, yeah, you got to go to school. I get that. But do you have to go to school and pay the overcharged, you know, prices of tuition and all these other things that universities are kind of shoving down people's throat today? Do you really have to do that to be successful? I say no. I call I call bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I think it is one of those things that gets passed down, right? It's one of those things like a lot of small towns get married with your high school sweetheart at twenty, have kids by twenty two, you know. And it's one of the it's it's just 
we always get shoved into these lanes, these boxes, you know, and I worried about that growing up as a kid because I dropped out in the beginning of the ninth grade and I didn't have any means to go to college anyway. And so I couldn't have went, but I always kind of held off on that. And then I was told, if you don't go to college, break your back. And I did adopt that mindset. Mm -hmm. So I swept floors, got into Rankin, did body work, did construction, became a sprinkler fitter and had the epiphany of having all these conversations that I couldn't communicate with anybody on the job because they only wanted to do what we were told. Right. It's like, we're going to hang pipe, hang pipe, hang pipe, measure pipe, everything's pipe. And I'm like, this sucks. Right. And then I seen how many broken bodies were coming down there, you know, retired guys. And I'm like, man, maybe this isn't for me. And started changing my mindset about what I was capable of, you know, and started No Excuse Fitness and enrolled it in all these other businesses. And another speaking point of that is so my brother, who did go to college, my little brother, way after the fact, I think he was 30, went to UMSL, got his bachelor's a year early. Very intelligent, was able to get a Ph.D. scholarship to New Mexico, full ride, right out to New Mexico. And I remember packing them up and driving them out there and dropping them off. And I told him, I said, if you don't love this, I'm going to be the only one to tell you to quit. Mm -hmm. Because I said, by that time, I think he'd get out at 38. So you better love what you're doing. Right. Make sure the school's the right fit. And I think he was about a year in. And he's like, man, I don't. This is not what I signed up for either. You know, they told him they were going to have professors that were over him that were, like, very well knowledgeable about what it, what it was he was doing. Sure. And they didn't have that, and he didn't like it. And I told him to quit, and he did. And funnily enough, now with the studio open, he's here. Right. right? So he's working here now. So he's going to be VP of operations, but he's had several jobs. He just quit a job where he scaled a massive company 65% in eight months. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got the skill set. And, yeah, he has a bachelor's, but all his stuff is in political science. Yeah, and that's that's the thing that I was kind of – I was trying to get at it's it's not that I don't think a college education is can be valuable. It doesn't mean that you know all schools it's not worth the money. My point was challenging the status quo that says if if you go to college and if you pay whatever it costs to go to college. And apparently the thought process is well the more you pay the more is valuable, right? which it's not, but that's that's the mindset. It's like I go to a more expensive school, that means it's going to get me further along. But in reality, it doesn't work out that way for a lot of people. And right now, the more I see it and the more I talk to other people who are entrepreneurial, if they had it to do over again, they would have done it differently. But they're also saying, hey, I didn't know any better. So it, I don't know that it hurt them, but they're definitely saying – if I was talking to somebody or I was talking to myself when I was, you know, in my late teens, I would tell my younger self, hey, why don't you look at some of these other things? Why don't you maybe get a job or a trade or be an apprentice or do an internship or two internships? Or you don't have to go to college right after high school. You don't have to go to a four-year school to, to be successful. At the same time, you could definitely go to college and get a great education and get out of school and find a great career and do very well and be very successful. I'm not saying you can't. I'm just saying for the amount of money most universities are asking for, which I went and did the calculation. I think when I went to school in the early 90s, the same university now cost about five times as much. And to me, I'm like, okay, so am I getting – would I – 
would my kids get five times the value? Would would they be able to make five times the month? Like the investment for the return on investment, I I just don't see it. So what are the other options? And then I was kind of going back and saying, well, what did I do growing up to say, all right, let me ask these questions. And I, I did it all along. Like when I was in school, I knew from a college perspective that I wasn't learning a lot. But then I went back and thought, well, what was I doing when I was a kid? What was I doing when I was, you know, like in my teenage years? What did I do when I got into college? And for me, it was always a sports were kind of that entrepreneurial area because I thought, oh, I'm going to be a professional athlete. So that's going to be my career. That's my entrepreneurship. Then eventually I figured out, no, you're not going to be a professional athlete. But it like dawned on me at one point when I was in college and I was cool with it because I was like, I was a junior. I played, you know, I played ball growing up as a kid. Then I played in high school and then I played in college. And I thought, yeah, this is going to be great. I'm going to be a professional athlete. I'm going to play baseball, you know, for a living. And then one day my junior year in college, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to play. <laughs> it's not going to work. I'm I'm not going to be good enough. And I was okay with it. So then I was like, all right, what's next? You know, what entered, like, where do I go from here? I wasn't thinking I'm going to get out of school with a college degree and I'm going to go work for a company or a corporation, especially if I didn't say admire or think that the person I was working underneath was going to give me value because I worked in a lot of jobs as a kid where I was like, yeah, I don't like this job because I don't believe that person knows what they're talking about. I don't think they understand people or understand how to motivate. Like I worked as a bus boy. I was a horrible bus boy because I wasn't going to do all the little stuff they wanted me to do. So they tipped me two bucks. I was like, yeah, it's not worth it. I'll be a, I'll be a below average bus boy. I'll get people what they want, but I'm not going to bust my butt so you can hold a couple dollar tip over my head. Exactly. You know, it's like you think you have power over me because you're going to give me three dollars. I'm like, no, I'll I'll figure it out. (laughs) It's amazing because I just heard on a podcast that I was listening to this morning, two multimillionaire guys talking about that. And it said so many people's will can be bought. Yeah. Sometimes it's bought at 50 grand, 70 grand, 100 grand. And the real people that are entrepreneurial, you can't buy their will. Right. It's like I want to create. I want to add value. I'm going for legacy. And when you do that, it's not about uh, it's not about money and a little secret about college that most people don't like. And I won't use the college, but there's a pretty prestigious college here in St. Louis Mm -hmm. that everybody loves. And I've had two family members that went there and they told me that the curriculum, it was easier to go to a community. It was harder at community college than there. Wow. And they keep that it that way. So more people pass and the GPA is higher. And it's the bait to get you to spend twice as much to get a degree from right. this college. And it's like, yeah, does it does it really matter at the end of the day? I don't think it does. And similar to your upbringing, when I bought into being a construction worker, I thought, yeah, I got in at 25. I'll be a made guy at 30. I'll have a service truck, and this is what I'm going to make. Yeah. Until the economy fell, and I was laid off and on unemployment, lost unemployment health benefits, and – I had to re- I had to figure out what it was, but I didn't respect what I was doing either. I wasn't satisfied hanging pipe all day. Yeah. Like people need to do it, people that love to do it. I didn't find any value in it, right? It was like at the end of the day, I just hung a bunch of pipe. How much pipe did we hang? Right. I wasn't satisfied by that. Yeah, and I it, 
and I've had people ask me, well, did you know when you were a kid that you wanted to be in finance? And I was like, absolutely not. I, like I said, I wanted to be an athlete. So all the things that went into me being an athlete and all the things that I did, I wrote in the article that the high school that I went to was very rigorous. And it. I learned a lot of my life skills from that window of time because I was playing two sports, um, basketball and baseball. Uh, while probably doing two to four hours worth of homework a day for four years straight. And so, you know, time management, perseverance, people skills, handling setbacks, focusing on progress, not perfection, building self-confidence. Those are all the things I did, you know, during high school. While at the same time, I, as I did other jobs, I worked as a, you know, uh, as a busboy, I worked at a law firm kind of as a, you know, clerk or just, you know, in the library or, you know, mail room or whatever. Um, I did a summer when I played uh, summer ball up in Wisconsin. I did a summer working as a factory worker, basically doing the early shift. And that was a job that they got us for the team that we were playing for. And we were in a small town. That was like, the job you worked you know you worked one of the shifts and i think we got a deal where we were making maybe a dollar more an hour than some of the full-time people because they knew that they wanted to attract the kids to play in the team and like i did that for a summer and i did it because they got us a job it was a way to make money but i was like oh my god i i, I could never do this not because it was beneath me but i knew okay there's something I'm going to be able to do and there's something that I'm going to need to challenge myself. And the bottom line is I could see people doing this because that's all they knew or their way of life. And like you, I grew up, you know, lower middle class. My family didn't have money. Like it wasn't like I thought I was better than anybody. I just, in my head was like, okay, I think I'm supposed to do something else. And until I did an internship to my junior and senior year, that dealt with finance, I didn't really know what that business would look like. And then as soon as I did it, and then I went back to school my senior year, I was like, well, I'm learning absolutely nothing in college about what the real life is going to be. Right. So to me, that was like the switch. It said, all right, I can do something with this information. My problem was to get into the world of finance when you don't have any family with money, friends with money, you don't really know anybody with money. It was like, all right, well, I love this idea, but how am I going to make this work? So I actually decided instead of just jumping into this and, you know, doing the thing where you call everybody, you know, everybody that you know up and you pitch them and you try to sell them. I was like, I'm going to go the direction of, I'm going to figure out people that are in this business that maybe need a second or third hand and they need somebody to help them with stuff that they don't want to do, which I had done in those other jobs. But now I could find somebody that if I did the paperwork or I did the phone calls or I did the, um, the analysis or the spreadsheets and everything, cause they didn't want to do it. I was like, well now I add value. So if I respect and admire that person because they built something that I couldn't and I could do something that either they couldn't do or didn't want to do, seemed like a pretty good pretty good gig and I did that for like five straight years and never once even got my own clients I mean I I I was in my early 20s I would even have conversations with people like well let, let's see if you're still in this business five years from now 
And I would be like, oh, man, that's that's kind of harsh. Now I look back on it, that was kind of smart on their end. <laughs> I mean, why am I going to give my money to somebody in their early 20s if I don't even know if they're going to be in that business in five years? Right. So it, to me, got me thinking about ways to add value, learn the business, buy myself some time, build things up, and kind of come full circle. That's a lot of the things we do with some of our internships and our younger advisors. We're like, look, we're going to build an infrastructure to where you can survive long enough to where people will take you seriously. Because, you know, in in the business that you're in and anywhere else, people don't take you seriously. It it doesn't matter what you're selling or what you're pitching or anything else. You're not going to be able to grow and be successful. That's right. And I think a lot of millennials worry about that stuff, right? And I always tell them, too, because when I got into the insurance business, you know, and I was only 25 – and I'm going up against independent brokers that have been their, you know, clients broker for 29, 30 years. They didn't look at age. You know, uh, dress how you want to be addressed. Show up with competence. And if you know what you know, and that you can answer a question when it's asked, you're going to win every time. Right. You're not antiquated. You're not dulled out. And you're saying, "Let me get back to you. Let me get back to you." And that's what's at the top of the heap because they're not hungry anymore. Right. It's like if you look at it differently, take the business seriously, educate yourself show up and do what you need to do and you can and you want to add value because so many people i think look at jobs transactionally right and yeah. if you do every job sucks right and that's why i love job stands for just above broke so if you don't like it it's either breaking you financially sure. or breaking you spiritually right because you hate what it is you don't like it and it's like because you're looking at it transactionally like even the insurance business or any sales business because everyone's like selling insurance is awful is it mm-hmm. or are you looking at it like hey I'm working with somebody, somebody's in front of me right now, and I'm protecting everything it is that they've bought and built. And if it's done the right way, what an amazing gift yeah. to handle that the right way. If you're just looking at a selling auto insurance, that's awful. But I think you can look at most jobs like that, you know, but it's, it's really the way you look at it. And I think it's, if, it's, if you're looking at everything for a relationship, right, it's going to go so much further than looking at it transactionally. And I think some of that has to do with people look at a job or they look at, well, i got to go – get a job because I got to make money and then I got to make money because I got to pay bills. And it's, it's especially if I'm coming out of college and I got a hundred thousand dollars in debt and okay, I got to pay for my car and I got all these other bills and expenses. They put, it puts the stress on you. And again, knowing money and finance the way we do now, if, if you had a way to kind of control that narrative and say to yourself, well, instead of me trying to go find a job, where's my passion going to be? I love the concept of internships or being an apprentice. I mean, not the Donald Trump apprentice, but you know, <laughs> a, a real apprentice where right. I'm going to go and I'm going to I want to get into this career. All right, well, what's the best way to get into a career? Learn from somebody that you respect and admire. Go into that opportunity with the mindset of I need to be a sponge. I need to learn this business or I need to learn this industry or I need to learn this career so that I can make it for me, whatever I want it to be. And then that ownership of your opportunity is one that becomes entrepreneurial. And I'm, I try to always define for people when I say entrepreneur or business owner, I'm not saying that you've got to be the person that is owning the business or you've got to be the one that's uh, you know, it's it's your name on the wall or anything else. You can be entrepreneurial and work for a company, or you can be entrepreneurial and work 
for someone else, but you've got to understand, okay, entrepreneurial means I'm constantly waking up every day and trying to figure out how I'm going to add value. That's being entrepreneurial. It's not, okay, how do I get that paycheck? It's how do I add value first and then the money will come? Well, I started to realize that early on in my career, but a lot of it had to do with me learning skill sets and almost like realizing in business relationships. I I, I use the perfect example that I, I always try to think of. When I was in high school, my junior year, I was basically playing varsity basketball and varsity baseball. Um, and I was not a very big kid, so <laughs> I wasn't playing based on my size and speed. I was playing on somewhat athletic ability and just pure grit. Like I just loved playing sports. I was a mental, you know, I, I, I thought about the game from the mental perspective. So what I lacked in size and skill, I made up for just being a heads, you know, heads up kind of player. So my basketball season came before baseball season. So that's my first chance to make a varsity team was basketball. I did it. And then come to find out at that time, trials and tribulations of family, you know, parents were kind of going through a divorce. I was the oldest of four kids. There were basically days during the week where I didn't have a ride home from practice. So I would have to almost barter with other guys on the team to like get me a ride home. Or, you know, I could have went, I could have taken the bus and other things, but I was like, all right, I, I think it, so I had, Two guys I was, you know, like almost like tutoring on, on the team that I would be like, hey, we'll go to your house and then drop me off. Or my coach actually didn't live too far away. I mean, co- you know, but I had to like spread it out. I didn't really become like a burden for, t- for too right. many people. So, you know, over time I kind of figured out, hey, if you can add value for somebody, you give them something they want, they're going to give you something in return. But I always try to make it to where they felt like they were getting the better deal. And, Absolutely. you know, and – it kind of works the same way in business today, but like with internships, like if you're trying to figure out what you're going to do in a career, or maybe you don't even know, but you want to try some things out, you need to go into those internships with a way of, I go in trying to figure out how to add value and I leave there figuring out, Hey, how do I not burn any bridges? How you never know what kind of relationships could be formed when you're in your early 20s and you do an internship and you come back, you know, 15 years later and you're a huge success. And who knows, you might be calling on that company and you might be able to make something humongous happen because they remember you as that kid who worked in the mailroom. And they're like, you know what, you were always pretty sharp, you know, and you, you asked a lot of really good questions. Now that may be far fetched for most people, but that's kind of the way I always thought about it. It's like, all right, well, I'm, I'm these attorneys here that I'm going to get crap for. I know they're making me do their crap work, but I'm going to make an impression on them somehow. And I'm also knowing really, really quickly in this opportunity that I do not want to be an attorney. <laughs> so I'm never going to need to get a job from them, but right. who knows, I might need to hire them or I might right. need to hire their firm or, right. you know, something from that perspective. So, and I know you and I have kind of talked about that. It's amazing when you try to build relationships over time, when you're always looking at ways to add value and then you realize, well, they're not, they don't really focus the relationship. They're takers. I'm a giver. You know, I'll give first, then take. But if I'm always giving and and they're always taking, 
pretty soon that relationship doesn't work. Right. And it doesn't work not because they're bad people or anything else, but it doesn't work because you can only give so much, even as an entrepreneur. It's not like you have endless energy. Right. You, you want to be around people where you're going to get energy as much as you're going to give it. That's it. And that is, to me, it's kind of like the path from an entrepreneurial perspective. If you're not somewhere or doing something right now that's either giving you energy or you're giving the energy that you're getting and it's constantly happening, something probably needs to change. You're right. I mean, and I heard a, a nutritionist talk about that one time when it was related to food. She goes, you're either eating food that's that's healing your body or you're eating poison. And that's the way they look at food because there is no in between. And it's right. like that's, th- that's the same way with that. I mean, you got to be around – like-minded people, you know, because people don't realize how their environment affects them. And, you know, and then even back to just even small jobs, it is the outlook. And apprenticeships, unfortunately, even though the country was built on them, are are becoming insanely rare Yeah, because nobody wants to hand it down. And a lot of it comes from the scarcity mindset of, is he going to outshine what I built? Right. And that's why a lot of seniors don't bring the youth in because they think that junior is going to outshine. It's you. It's amazing that you say that because I remember distinctively early on in my uh, career finance, the internship that I did, it led to a full-time opportunity. And that full-time opportunity, I was actually able to get some, you know, financial help for like a couple years until I could kind of get going because the business I was getting into with investments, insurance, tax strategies, it was all commission-based. So as I was coming in, there was a handful of other young uh, advisors and we were you know, kind of coming into the business at the same time. And it was amazing because there would be advisors I would meet that had gotten into the business kind of the same way. And they were like, Almost, um, almost like rooting for you, but also being realistic and saying, "Hey, man, it's it's tough. Like next five years, it's gonna be real tough. But guess what? You get over that hump, and it's gonna be amazing. And the life that you can make for yourself, and all these things, it, it, you'll just you'll love it. You just gotta really work hard these next five years. And then there'd be other people who would come up, and you know, the jealousy was just oozing." From their bodies and they were like yeah you know you guys are you know doing good right now so far you know let's see how you are five years from now you know and if if you're even in the business you know and i would just like shake my head and be like really that's that's the relationship you want to have with somebody who you know i if i did respect and admire you up to that point it's probably gone yep and also at the same time you know, I was kind of thinking to myself, I'm not going to be – I'm going to be in this business for myself because I'm going to be an entrepreneur. But I'm not going to be in it by myself. I'm, and I'm always going to need help. And, you know, that's the way E3's model is now, the teamwork model, the family office model. It's it's not one person. I mean I got into that part of my career where individually my income was going up and I was building things. And even though – it was me as an individual. I didn't want to like create, you know, John Moriarty Financial. I wanted it to be a company that could grow beyond me because that's what's happened with all other successful companies. It's not one person. You can't you can't grow and be a behemoth in any industry at, as one person. But there's a lot of people out there who think them 
as the center of the universe. <laughs> if somehow you're having success, then you know you're pull, you're taking it from them. Versus, no, it's possible for us, to, me, to be successful, us to be successful, you to be successful, all in the same universe. Like it, we can coexist with, with success. <laughs> it's interesting, right? Everyone's rooting for you until you're doing better than they are, right? You know, and it's an unfortunate thing. That's why they always say, be, you know, pay close attention to people that don't clap when you win. And uh, it's an inf- it's an unfortunate thing in, in all these industries, the amount of competition um, or, or especially somebody like you who built this piece by piece by piece. And then you got with, you know, with your partner out in Texas. Right. And now you guys are in Arizona. Right. I mean, you guys are just blowing it up. And it's just like it's proven that that's not the thing. But I think when people look at that, they're like. John must have came from money. Right. You know, John had money because it almost looks insane the amount of growth that you guys had and how you're sharing and bringing more people into the business and grooming and, and doing these apprenticeships like with Connor right. to where he's learning the business forwards and backwards and learning it the right way and, and that there's no competition within between any of the guys in here and the amount of growth you have. And everyone's like, John must have came from money, you know, right. until they find out that, yeah, no, he didn't. No. And and I always have that conversation with somebody who says to me, "Well, where you know where I am now after twenty three years, I don't understand where they are." And you know, I can say, "You know what? You're right. Where you are right now today is not something that I wake up and think about because I think about where I am right now today." And but at the same time. You've got to understand is I was absolutely where you are. I was in your shoes at one point in my past because there's no way for me to be where I'm at today if I wasn't where you were at because nothing was handed to me. Every you know The grit, the daily grind, that was all there for me. But I also made conscious decisions to work for like the first five years of my career – I was working 60, 70, 80 hours a week. I was working with a dozen different advisors. And I would realize really quickly that this guy doesn't know his head from a hole in the ground. (laughs) And this other guy is a genius. And I want to be a sponge and learn everything possible. And then over time, I would realize that some people, while they had great intentions, just didn't have a drive. And that's okay for them. But it wasn't okay for me because – I had the grow or die mentality and that wasn't going to change. And if they didn't want to change, I was like, okay, that's great. Well, I'll continue on and I'll just keep working to figure out who's going to be a good partner, what's going to fit. But I never looked at it as I've got to take from that person to get ahead or I got to climb on other people's shoulders. I was going to get there whether or not anybody wanted to help. But if anybody was willing to help, I want to figure out how it could be a win-win. And so I always try to say to somebody who thinks I don't um, relate to their situation. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, look, I'm where I'm at because I chose every day to ultimately get to where I am. But that doesn't mean it was easy. That doesn't mean that I didn't struggle. That doesn't mean that I didn't second-guess things. But at the same time, now, I'm not going to discount anything that we've achieved in order to make someone else feel better. Or, like, that's – I'm not going to water down the situation. 
And also, too, I may be doing things today that are very different than what I did, you know, two years ago, five years ago, ten years ago, because it's a building block. You know, I, I actually wrote in that article, I was like, you know, all of my experiences in my 23-year career have allowed me to reach the exact point in my life where I sit at this moment. And that is now I prefer to talk with people rather than talk at them. You know, that's why I love doing podcasts. I want to, and I want to do more interview stuff, which is why the way you got the office or the uh, the studio set up is perfect. Because I don't want to be doing radio and trying to attract clients and like, which I don't begrudge anybody for doing it, but I did it for six or seven years and it built a great brand for E3. But I don't think that's our message anymore. I don't think we're the group that we're going to just throw things out at you and we're going to, you know, we're going to like tease you with something and then, oh, I got to call them and find out what that is. No, we're going to put what we think out there. And if you find it and you listen to it and you think, hey, these guys are on the same page with us, then you'll reach out. But we're not trying to harass you. We're not trying to convince you that we've got some kind of, you know, secret sauce. But at the same time, I would also prefer to educate people who are open-minded versus convince people that our way is the only way. And somehow if you don't believe what I believe or the way we can add value, that either you're an idiot or let me just spend more time convincing you. Those conversations, not only do they sometimes bore me, they completely zap the energy out of the room when all I'm trying to do is convince you why you should work with us. If I have to convince you <laughs> why you have right. to work with us, like why? I mean, and I know you deal with this on a daily basis too. It's like, no, I'm not going to do – my business just isn't based on price. It's not based on giving you a quote. It's like it's relationship. Either Either you value the relationship or you don't. That's it. I mean, that's what I've taken from you similarly is I, you know, I educate people first and foremost, then I give them their options, but you got to bring common sense to the table on your own. Yeah. I mean, that's what it is. I don't, I don't want to base it off any product. It's like, here's what it is. And if it makes sense, which I know it does the way it's written, but it's got to make sense to you. Yeah. And I don't chase people down. If you don't want it, you don't want it. I don't, I don't have to cold call. I don't, I don't have emailing campaigns out there because it's that you're not going to gain some, you know, and it brings the right clients. It brings the relationships in here that, that can benefit from both sides of the table, you know, not just us representing a product right. and selling it to you. I mean, what it's transactional. Yeah. And that, again. And now, of course, that does not mean that creating content and getting it out to people so that they understand your brand and what you do. I'm not saying that we're not going to do that. I mean, you're fantastic at that. We kind of tiptoe into the you know the deep end every once in a while, but doing podcasts, doing videos, writing articles, writing books, absolutely. Like to me, you you almost have to do that these days because people need to understand what your message is. Right. But also the way I look at it is what is the bottom line to your message? Like I'm going to try and do a really good job going forward now that we have the, the studio and everything set up. I want to kind of have this um, this mindset of what I'll call first-generation wealth kind of built into people's head. Like I want to work with people, and a lot of them would be entrepreneurs who are kind of either they've gone from the worry mindset where I'm trying to pay bills, I'm trying to make ends meet. I got this idea, but you know I don't even know if I can do it. Take them from worry to wealth where, look, I'm successful. 
I know what works. I've built a business. I'm going to build a couple other businesses. I want to keep going. But now when I'm at that point, now I've got other things to worry about. And it's not just making money, but it's also keeping it. And it's protecting it from Uncle Sam or protecting it from risk of loss or other things. But then ultimately, you go from worry to wealth and then from wealth to worthiness, which is, okay, I've got this money. I've built something that's a legacy. How do I protect it? How do I make sure it continues on? To me, that's kind of the first generation wealth conversation. Those are the things that I get excited talking to people about, but also too, understanding how other people have created that for themselves. I want to learn from those people as much as E3 providing wealth resources to them or tax resources. That's great, and there's going to be plenty of those opportunities, but I would just like entrepreneurs to be able to come in here, us interview them, have conversations, and also learn from them, like, what was your experiences like, and not from a standpoint of what's the um, what's the moral of the story. Like, no, how did you do what you did and not lay it out ABC, like, what was going through your head type stuff? Because to me, that's the part where whether it's a millennial trying to figure out how they're going to be the next Mark Zuckerberg or, you know, it's just somebody that says, hey, I don't want to work for a company. I'm not saying I want to be a gazillionaire. I just don't want to work for a company. I want to figure out a way to control my destiny. I think both of those entrepreneurial mindsets can coexist, but some of them might be a little more money motivated than others. But I think if you have more of that mindset of, hey, I'm doing this today so that I can be the guy in the future, that's great. But then once you're the guy, all right, now how are you going to take care of your team? How are you going to take care of your employees? How are you going to take care of your clients? You can't just build something and then decide, you know, five or 10 years from now, no, oh, I'm tired. I don't, you know, I'm going to sell this. I'm going to go away. People do that. Yeah, absolutely. But then what they've built just basically erases. Right. And I know you've had those conversations with people that want to you know, buy or sell businesses. It's, it's a different mindset. And I think if that's where maybe we position some of the uh, conversations on the Mind Over Money podcast, I know I'll get a ton more energy out of it. But I, I think we'll, we'll have some amazing conversations with people that – never really go into that stuff. It's either the dollars and cents or it's my business plan, but it's not like you're the mindset of an entrepreneur. Right. Yeah. The real story, which is just as important. To Absolutely. Me. It is time for a new age of enlightenment. We need people to take responsibility for their financial well-being. The problem rests with inactivity in sitting back and doing nothing. Essentially, we've allowed an entitlement society to overtake our ability to succeed or fail on our own merits. If you are ready to equip yourself with the knowledge and strategies to break out of this cycle and take your financial picture to the next level, then E3's business model is ready to assist you in thinking differently. Visit our website, e3wealth.com, to learn more. Let's talk about your legacy, though, for yeah. a minute, because you wrote that article, and I know it's, it's, it's such a huge deal that what you've been able to create for your family, given where you've came from. Mm -hmm. And it's not just that. I think the unspoken legacy with you already and building all these businesses and having this this wealth that your kids are going to benefit from and your grandkids and all this stuff that's going to live on is just like the headquarters you built here in Sunset Hills, like allowing me to come in here, my brother to come in here. I mean, I came over here cash poor, liquefied my retirement, sure. got rid of business partners, you know, and we're getting ready to start the fourth business 
out of here, um, unrelated to yeah. E3, but working with E3, and you know, and I'm completely cash positive. Yeah. Right. I mean, I I literally threw everything at the wall to make it stick last year, you know, and had to wait 90 days to get paid to then come in here to be able to steamroll this. And I think that's the biggest part of your legacy is how many people you let just jump on your bandwagon, not wanting anything out of it. Yeah. Right. Your resources, advice, whatever it is, just to come on and to be able to and take advantage kind of of like what you built. Yeah. You know, I think that's the biggest legacy piece, because I know that as an entrepreneur, how many times I've smacked my head wrong business partners, just et cetera, right? It happens. It's, it's like the Walt Disney filing for bankruptcy seven times. It's the stuff that doesn't really make the books that I knew doing this again with what I wanted to create coming in here last year to do it. I wouldn't have been able to do it without the energy of this office, sure. right? And I tell people I don't pay rent in here to come in here to need an office. I do it to be around people smarter than me because there's been a lot of times coming in here and throwing it all at the wall that you're like, was that the right move? Sure. Should I scale both things at the same time? Right? Where do you delegate? Like, you have those things. And the only way I've been able to thrive is coming in here because I'm around people that are jacked up all day, that are constantly, like the motto, thinking differently, that I've been able to look at everything I'm doing and adjust everything I'm doing and be able to create what I have because I'm, I'm around it. Yeah. Which I think is a big deal of why they say, you know, uh, don't take advice from people you're not willing to trade places with. You know, and it's sure. like in being around smarter people. I mean, it's so true. You become the sum five total of the people you spend the most time with. And that's why people always ask why I'm in here seven days a week. Right. Right. Yeah. I, you know, to me, it's uh, I put in that article, the LinkedIn article that I early on when I was a kid, the, the concept of show and tell, it just like it made so much sense to me. It's like, OK, I'm going to learn from you. And if you have something that I want, I'm going to try and figure out how to get it. And if you're doing something that I think in the future I want to do or something I want to learn about, I have a source. I have something I can go to. So for me, it's always been a show and tell mentality. Like, you know, or it's, you know, we're in Missouri, so it's show me state. Like I've always felt like if I'm going to tell you something or I'm going to say, hey, this is what E3 is going to do. I have to like personally embody that. So if we really are going to be this open-minded, think differently organization, it it has to happen from the ground up and we have to be willing to allow others to kind of experience it. And then I've always said, if you come and experience it and you have a positive experience, a negative experience, we're going to learn from it. But I... It just it frustrates me when somebody says, well, you know, I wish I could do this, but and then it's, you know, it's either because of time, it's because of talent or energy or it's because of money. So my thought is, well, if we create this environment here with the headquarters and that can that can alleviate the concern about capital and we can surround you with people that have talent so you can learn from them. Then really all you have to do is put the time in, you know, just and show it, up. you just show up. And and yes, there's going to be expectations and there's going to be hurdles that you have to jump over. But that's kind of the, hey, if I had the, the way I kind of think about it is what if I got in this business now the way that I got into the business 23 years ago? I don't know that I would be as successful because I got lucky in some instances because I was able to find some people. But I've also had people say, yeah, but you can't really say you were lucky because you were constantly looking for those people. I was always searching for somebody saying, 
hey, who's a person that I can kind of latch on to? And as long as they'll let me latch on, I'll make sure I'm not a burden. I'll, right. I'm going to add some value. But then once I could get to a point where they were like not looking at me as a burden as much as, no, you're a valuable component to this, then I could continue to find other people. So I kind of looked at that and said, that's just that's just being in business. You're always looking for a way to improve on it. And some people get it. Some people are overwhelmed by it. Some people are like, oh, I, I, I don't know how you stay so positive or how you can do this business or do that business. I go, I don't know any other way. So it's it's not it's not that I'm different than you. It's not that I'm better than you. I just don't know any other way. Now, if you want to learn to think like I do, okay, it, it's going to be a very different mentality than probably what you're used to only because I've been like this since I was a kid. Right. But I also know from talking with other people, I mean, there's a lot of other entrepreneurs that when I read about them or talk to other people and I at least know that I like to get sleep and I know that I like to, you know, sometimes partake in, um, you know, food and drink that, you know, sometimes aren't as healthy for my body, right. but I, that's me. I, I enjoy that. Other people are like, no, I cut this, I cut that on. I'm like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Like you're, you know, I know physical fitness is a huge thing for you. I go, I, I tell people when I go to a gym, if um, I start to sweat, that's my body telling me that I need to stop. You know, that, that like that's my mentality <laughs> when I out. work. Yeah, I got to tap out. So, you know, again, I tell people there's different ways that other entrepreneurs think. And it's not like the way I think this is the way you have to be in business. But if there's a piece that I can give to you and I can say, all right, yeah, if you want to get to that level, here's how I did it or here's some other people to talk to. I'm more than willing to provide that information. But it's it's almost like the you know, the teacher appears when the student is yeah. ready. I almost want these podcasts to be kind of a a beacon for hey, there's teachers, you know. Whenever you're ready, listen to the podcast. If if you want to have conversations, give us a call, send us an email. Like we're not going anywhere. We're going to keep doing this, and that's the exciting thing because you bring that energy to the table. I mean, today you had somebody in the office that we're going to have conversations with because he might be looking for opportunities, the business connections that you know we've gone to lunch with over time. Those are the types of things. I can't do by myself and I know I can't do by myself, but when somebody else like you steps in and says, well, Hey, what if I set up this lunch or this lunch or we meet with these persons? Like, absolutely. All I got to do is show up. Like that makes it easy for me. Right. You know, that's the kind of thing when you're in business and you have things clicking on all cylinders, you don't have to have everybody doing the exact same thing. You just got to make sure that everybody's moving in the same direction and that everybody knows, hey, if you're doing this and I'm doing this, we're all going to benefit. So I don't know where that takes E3 into the future. I just know that our, our picture today is a lot bigger than where it was you know, two years ago. And it's enormously larger than it was five years ago. Right. And it's, you know crazy bigger than it was, you know, 15 years ago when I said, all right, well, we're going to start E3 Consultants Group and we're going to, you know, I'm going to build my own clientele. And I look back and I say, well, you know, is that crazy that all that stuff's happened in 10 or 15 years? I don't know. Maybe. 
I, I don't even sometimes think about that part. I kind of think about, well, where are we now and what do we need to be doing? Because I'm surrounded by great people. Whereas when I was doing that 15 years ago, it was kind of me and a couple other folks. Right. So it's just, it is what it is. It's always asking yourself what next. What's next, you know? That's what I like watching what what you and Joe are doing because it's real to me because I know you personally. Right. Or if I didn't know you, I'm like, looks ridiculous. I don't know where they're getting the money. I don't know how they're doing right. whatever they're doing. That's what gets me jacked up is I'm like, he's a normal guy that came out of Afton where I live. Right. And it's like he's doing it. So all of a sudden it becomes possible for Absolutely. me and my brother to do. The other thing is I think, you know, leadership is not a role like most people think it is. That's what managers think. It's a lifestyle, right? I mean, you just are who you are, and you just you set that example. But what I want to leave you with, one thing that I want you to do on one of your next episodes that I would be interested in hearing, I think most entrepreneurs would, is because you, you got a gorgeous family, uh-huh. you got a wife, you got two kids, you got foundations, and you're involved in restaurants, and this E3's got a million arms right. that most people don't know, you know, everything that you do. I want you to do one on work-life balance. Okay. Because I know early on you worked a lot of hours. People yep. give me crap all the time for how much I work. I know what top line, bottom line looks like they don't. But I would love to hear your take as somebody who's got a million things going yep. on. Where most people had a quarter of it they might tap sure. out. That might be their limit. How do you manage without without going crazy Absolutely. all that you have? I mean, happy wife, happy life, and kids. And like I said, you got all that stuff going on. I want to know – how you know what did it look like early on? What did it looked like in the middle. Sure. Where does it look like in the future? How do you how do you do all that? Uh, you know what? That's a great. I mean, I may end up doing an article. I might write another article and then do the podcast because um, it's funny. But this year, I have said my focus has been on the work life balance, and from a standpoint of adding more travel to that, right. and it's can be challenging as you're trying to grow any enterprise or you know any business that you're in that there's a lot of travel um it could put a strain on your family life or put a strain on what happens in the office and those types of things so no i think that would be fantastic as kind of a next podcast because i have a lot of conversations with people about that and i'm also a a work hard play hard kind of guy so you know a lot of that travel might be Two days of work, two days of fun, and then you're, you know, sometimes it's family, sometimes it's just with my wife, sometimes it's just me and my business partner. So I think that's great. And um, I also believe that that would be something to draw other entrepreneurs towards more conversations because I know for a fact that there are some people that are doing some amazing things. And they succeed in one area of their life and they might be, you know, for lack of better terms, failing miserably in some other area. And they're just trying to figure out how can I write, how, how long can I go before (laughs) I have to like, you know, do an about face or, you know, make a right turn. I mean, you know, the folks that do the, um, the show uh, down in Waco, Texas, the the ones that do the house flipping and everything else, you know, they basically stopped doing their TV show because of work life stuff. And they were going to have another baby. And I don't know, they got like four or five kids and they were going to have another one. And so, I mean, you see it a lot. You also see right. people get divorced because they, they don't. Yeah. But also add in too, because I know I want to know this. So I know a lot of people have to want to know this too. 
Because that's a lot of secret sauce, right? right. How do you do work-life balance? Because some people believe throw more fuel on the fire, right? right? Work a ton, and because I, I struggle with it myself, that's why I brought you know Kevin from Float sure. STL in to kind of course correct me and see where I'm imbalanced so that you can live a life, right? So you a life is everything. It's not just work. It's not just family. It's everything. The other thing that I think I want you to add to that article too is how much you read. Yeah, because you have a big library. Sure. A lot of people in your situation read a lot, and I'm like. I barely have time to read. But right. Then again, it comes to balance. Why? But I'm like, he's reading, and when is he reading? Right. Right. That I always that's stuff I always want to know. I'm like, he goes through a lot of books. Like, when does he have time right. to read? <laughs> so that's another thing, right? Yeah. Because you and Joe are all about learning, but it's like, when do these guys have time sure. to read? So I I think that works into the balance. Absolutely. Right? I think it's all in there. So like, I'd really love to to hear that. I think we'll work on that uh, podcast. Get that out to people real soon. And I just want to. Thank you for, number one, coming on the Mind Over Money podcast for our uh, first show in the new E3 studios. We'll have to put out a video or something so our podcast folks can kind of see the studio and all its you know heavenly glory. Because uh, I, I, I do love it in here, and we'll be doing uh, tons of uh, new podcasts that we'll be getting out, and that next one will be on uh, work-life balance. So. Chris, appreciate you being on the show. No, I appreciate it. And uh, folks, thanks for listening. And uh, we'll be kicking out another podcast before you know it. This podcast is powered by E3 Consultants Group. E3 wants to awaken the inner entrepreneur in anyone who is ready to take control of their financial picture. E3's family office model is prepared to serve individuals, families, and business owners with the right mindset, regardless of your net worth. Visit our website e3wealth.com to learn more. It's time to think differently. E3 Consultants Group. Education. Empower. Enlighten. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us via email at info at e3wealth.com, via Twitter at e3wealthstl, or find us on Facebook at E3 Consultants Group. This material is provided for informational purposes only and is educational in nature. It should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. A financial professional must have a complete understanding of someone's financial picture in order to advise and act in their best interest. Please consult with a financial professional, tax advisor, or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Specific investments may not be deemed suitable for all listeners, and this podcast should not be deemed as an offer or recommendation of any investment. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and investment advisory services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Both are located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia, 30005. Kalos Capital Incorporated and Kalos Management Incorporated do not provide tax or legal advice. Neither E3 Consultants Group, E3 Wealth, or E3 Tax are an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.